Welcome to Explanation of Benefits, a patient podcast. Join J.R. Clark and Dr. J. Moore as they explore the complex intersection of healthcare and insurance. Whether you're not sure about the difference between a premium and a deductible, or looking for expert insights on the future of employee benefits, everyone can use an explanation of benefits. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. J. and J.R. Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to the EOB podcast from Patient. This is your host, Jay Moore. I'm the Chief Clinical Officer at Patient, and I am joined today by J.R. Clark. The uh, What are you these days, J.R., at Patient? You're an actuary, you're a gentleman, you're a scholar. I don't, uh, I don't, I don't even know how to refer to you. You have so many titles and exciting things that I could say. Well, you, you can pick whichever one, uh, and I'll answer to it. You know, let's let's talk about what what we do here just a little bit, just for a minute. People have been listening, presumably, for a few episodes now, and they might want to know a little bit about what we're doing. So I'll, I'll start with you. Why don't you give the listeners just a little bit of a rundown of a uh, day in the life of JR? That sounds good, Jay. Um, so really, my, my whole background is insurance and being an actuary in an insurance company. And through doing that work, um, I got to know a little bit about how things work between providers, between payers, between the actual customers, and kind of how the whole healthcare cost flow works. And so I came over to patient really and, and took a role where I, I partner primarily with health plans and try and figure out how to plug in uh, a payment method for folks to be able to pay for their out-of-pocket healthcare costs. And how by doing that, it helps you know everybody in the health ecosystem so number one, it helps hospital systems because when hospital systems can have more collectability, then they can actually charge less for their rates. That in turn benefits health insurance companies because health insurance companies are paying less in claims related to, to people not being able to pay for their care. And so then they can actually pass those cheaper rates on in premiums to the customer. And then the customer in turn doesn't end up uh, deferring care that they need because they can't afford it. So yeah. So my job here is really to partner all those those folks together to be able to make an outcome better for everybody who's in the health pool. Man, it sounds like a complicated job. And I'm glad we have you because it is uh, very difficult, I think, to do this. And you must have a lot of irons in the fire and keeping up with many things all at the same time. Do you find that it's uh, is it difficult for you to do that? It's actually I'm going to kind of sidestep that it's kind of exciting, right? Because it's it can be difficult, but it's exciting when you think about being able to wedge something in that helps everybody who has a stake in the whole healthcare pool. So yes, it can be difficult to figure out how the nuances work, but the, on the whole, it's kind of fun. Yeah. Well, good. I'm, I'm glad that you're having fun. It's good to have a job where you're having a good time and having fun. I think it really shows in the day-to-day work. I'm lucky to get to work with you almost every day here. And it's really just a, it's a pleasure, honestly, to, to be able to work with you. Your, uh, your intelligence is uh, well-known and phenomenal here at Patient, and uh, you're just very nice to work with. So thanks for doing this podcast with me in the midst of all of this other busy stuff that you have to do. Well, thanks, Jay. And I noticed you use the word almost in there. It's fun to work with you almost every day. <laughs> no, 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 no. So. It's fun to work with you because I get to work with you almost every day. Not <laughs> it's almost fun to work with you every day. Man, you're a stickler for language. It must be that uh, must be all those conversations about plurals of fast food items that uh, yes, uh, has exactly. made you this way. <laughs> yes. It, well, yeah. And making sure 
we've got a lot of things in our work where we have to make sure that all the I's are dotted and T's are crossed. So. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, Jay, it's your turn now. Yeah. So I'm the chief clinical officer, which means that I have a clinical background. I'm a doctor by training. I did internal medicine and also did pediatrics in my residency, practiced for a while, worked for a hospital for a while. And then I also worked for a health insurance company. And here at Patient, I work kind of doing the same things you're doing, but talking directly to hospitals, health systems, doctor's offices, those sorts of people that have clinical backgrounds about how we might be able to use patient to help others get the care that they need when they need it and improve outcomes. So if somebody isn't putting off the care that they need, they go to the doctor when they're supposed to get a lab test when it's the right time to do it. Maybe that gives the doctor and the patient some information that allows that outcome to be a little bit better and just keeps people in better health. And that's really what I'm all about. I want people to be well taken care of. And I am, you know, that's that's part of the Hippocratic Oath that we had to take was to do no harm and, and try to help people out as much as possible. And I feel like doing this, we're able to do that. So we'll pat ourselves on the back here for a minute and talk about what a wonderful thing we're able to do and how happy we are at this uh, at this job. And hey, if you're out there listening to this podcast and you want to work with us, maybe shoot us an email. We'd be happy to talk to you. We are a growing company that has lots and lots of opportunities for people to come in and, and we like to meet new people. So uh, I'm just going to say this and Ryan and, and Morgan can maybe edit it later, but uh, you can email me at j at patient.com. That's J-A-Y at P-A-Y-T-I-E-N-T dot com. And I'd be very happy to talk to you. We can uh, talk about maybe your future here or talk about topics that you've heard about on the podcast or maybe bring you on as a guest. It's entirely up to you. We'd be happy to do that. So uh, Ryan and, and Morgan, our producers, are giving me a nod, which tells me that they're going to leave it in. So that's good. I just gave my email address to the Internet. That's always a great thing to do. But you know what? If they couldn't find it otherwise, they just weren't looking because we all know that an email address is easy to find if you really if you really do some work and effort to finding it. And Jay, two things. Do you mind uh, adding your phone number and your social security number to that? <laughs> I think I'll pass on that, JR. But thank you. That's very tricky. We've had security training here, and I know that that is what we call a phishing attempt. And so I am not going to tell you any of that information, you sneaky guy. Wait a minute. I need to add in the pressure, too. You got to do it now before the system all shuts down. Oh, oh man. I got to go, you guys. I got to go and, and send JR my social security number. Uh, no, no, I don't think I'll be doing that. But thanks for the trickery, Jr. That's that's vicious. <laughs> he's a vicious actuary, folks. He's uh, he's got a, a cruel streak trying to trick me with these things. But hey, uh, we are here today to continue the discussion about networks. We talked about this last time on the podcast, and today we're going to continue. We we talked about all of these network types and why networks are important for hospitals and why they're important for payers. And we promised that we would get into a little bit about the contracting methodologies that insurance companies use when they're talking to hospitals. You know, it's not as simple as you go see a patient and I'll pay you $100. There's a lot more to it for a contract than that. So, JR, I think that we're splitting this up into a few different types of contracts to try to explain to our listeners how this works. And the first one is a fee-for-service contract. Um, can you tell us a little bit about a fee-for-service contract? What What is that? How does a payer implement a fee-for-service contract, and what are the details about that? Well, so I think the standard fee-for-service contract, and, and Jay, you've, you're probably well more versed in this than I am. It's almost a guarantee. But for a standard fee-for-service, you essentially set up, like the title says, a fee for a service that is rendered. So you might have a list of services and an amount of reimbursement attached to each of those things. So like you said, to start with, a certain doctor's visit, maybe a 15-minute long doctor's visit, 
might get reimbursed at $70 or a 30 minute one might get reimbursed at $105 or so on. And each service or each type of service is attached to some form of reimbursement that is going to happen for it. How do insurance companies and doctor's offices and hospitals, how do they track the individual services? Like what if I'm seeing a patient that's really sick versus a patient that's not very sick at all? I have one person who comes in who says, you know, my little toe hurts and I look at it and I tell them, well, it looks like you've got a bruised toe. And so, uh, I don't know, put some ice on it and you'll feel better. And then I have a different patient that comes in that has multiple health conditions, heart failure, diabetes, problems breathing. They've been in and out of the hospital. That's different than a person with a sore toe. How do I make that known to the insurance company? And is there a difference in in what the person is paid for those different types of services? Well, so a couple of things, and and you know this well, when a person comes in to see a doctor, you you think about, I think about when I go into the doctor and the doctor has the little computer next to him and, you know, he asks me how I'm feeling or what my symptoms are or anything along those lines. He's typing all these notes into his computer. And part of typing those notes in is essentially typing in, number one, what kind of conditions I'm there for being serviced for. Sure. Number, number two, the type of visit that it's pertaining to. So, so if I go to the doctor and I'm just there purely for a preventive visit, like I just want to do my annual checkup to see if I'm doing all right, the doctor can put that down and essentially there's a code attached to that. And that code is saying, hey, this visit is just a preventive doctor's visit. Um, likewise, if I were to say, oh, I'm here because of my diabetes or I'm here because of my asthma, there's a different code that gets attached to that. And it's all a part of this whole kind of medical coding system. And each of those things gets attached to a price for that visit. I see. So, uh, there can be many, many different codes that a doctor might put in. And then if you consider also doctor's office visits are only one type of service that's applied in the healthcare system. So we also have Um, maybe I go to an imaging center and I get a CT scan, or maybe I go to a physical therapist and I have 30 minutes of physical therapy, or maybe I need a wheelchair. And so I go to a a shop that sells wheelchairs and I, I buy one and I submit that to my insurance company. So each of those services has its own code. Is that right? Right. And there's a whole list, Jay, you, you can refresh my memory on it because I think it's, it's a big list of codes for different types of services. Do you remember how many are in there? I have no idea how many services it's thousands, thousands yeah. and thousands of codes. Um, and it's published of course, in this giant book that's released every year that all the healthcare people get and it sits up on their, on their desk and looks impressive. Um, but yes, thousands of different codes and each of those codes might have a fee associated with it. And that's a fee for service contract. So you do a thing as a doctor or a hospital, you put a code down that describes exactly what it is that you did insurance company gets that code says, Oh, it's code one, two, three, four, five. All right. Well, one, two, three, four, five is worth $127 according to our contract. So that's what we're going to put down as the payment that's issued. And that's that. So that's pretty simple. How come we don't just stick with that? JR, what's, what's the problem there? How, why do we have to make it complicated? <laughs> well, I think number one, you're, you're assuming that, uh, that first one isn't complicated there. Which uh, Well, I mean, at least it's a one-to-one thing. It's like uh, one thing has one price. It's like a food menu. Now, I mean, like there are so many, it's like going to the Cheesecake Factory where you have like a 35-page menu to order your food and not so much like going to, you know, the hottest, trendiest restaurant in town where you have three choices. Um, So it's a thick book, but it's still just a one-to-one thing. I know this thing cost me $55 and that's that. Uh, That seems pretty easy to me. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, yeah. And so I guess getting back to your original question on it, why don't we just stick to something like that? 
Well, the reality of it is, think about going through and negotiating rates for every single possible type of service that you could have with every type of doctor, with every type of hospital, with every type of facility that, that administers care. That's a pretty arduous task to try and do that, right? Yeah, yeah, that is. Is there a, is there a way that we can set some kind of a benchmark and we can say this is the amount that we pay as a, as a benchmark or a percentage or can we copy someone else? Is, is, that, is there a shortcut? Yeah, that's a, you're, <laughs> that's a leading Am I question. leading the witness? <laughs> <laughs> I object. Um, so, yes, yeah, so answer the question, JR. <laughs> yeah, so there is actually a benchmark that makes it kind of nice. So, you know, the, the federal government has their reimbursement rates that they give for services through CMS. And that usually becomes the kind of gauge for which all contracts get negotiated. Even though it's primarily set for Medicare-based business, it's still usable for commercial-based business. And I guess we can refer back to one of our prior talks where you know Medicare is basically government-based business, commercial business is kind of like health insurance-based business outside of the government. Medicare, so, that's uh, for the elderly, not to be confused with Medicaid, which is for the poor. Generally, there are some exceptions and some crossovers, but for the most part, people sometimes mistake this. So Medicare is our is our government safety net system for people who are older to get health care. That's just a reminder for people who might not be as familiar with these things. Yes, yes. Thank you for clarifying there. So, you know, basically the federal government establishes a set level of prices for all the services that, that could be rendered within the healthcare system. And so a lot of health insurance companies, when they're negotiating with providers, they negotiate it on a more broad basis where they say, hey, look, uh, we're willing to reimburse you at 120% or 150% or 105% or 90% of the Medicare rates. Ah, and they will, okay. go, they will go through and negotiate along those lines. And that gives us a baseline that we can use to uh, to talk back and forth about prices without having to go through the whole book and saying, well, I think this one should cost $51.93, but this one over here should cost $36.84. That That would take a while. So it's good that there's this shortcut that we can use. Yep. Yeah, and I think even within that, you know, you even have customizations that could happen. So let's say that you have a hospital that's known for maternity uh, care, you know, and that primarily it's like typically in any given city, you'll have a hospital that's known as the baby hospital where more uh -huh. babies are, are delivered there than anywhere else. It might be that in a system like that, a hospital who is set up like that can run more efficiently on, on the births that they're, you know, the birthing services that they're providing. And so a health insurance company who knows that more folks will go there might negotiate a little bit different percent of Medicare for a service like maternity than they would for, say, somebody was going to get a, a MRI or something at that same facility. Gotcha. So so they might say, I'll give you 110 percent of Medicare for uh, maternity services, but I'll give you 115 percent of Medicare for everything else. Right. Exactly. I gotcha. I gotcha. Now. I'm a pretty smart doctor and I'm kind of thinking through this and, and thinking about how I might be able to, um, you know, play this to my advantage. And it seems to me that if I just get to write down the codes for everything that somebody is doing as they come through, it might benefit me to write down a lot of codes. So if you're coming in for a doctor's visit and I know, hey, I get $70 every time you come in for a doctor's visit, I, I might say to myself, you know, the next couple of weeks are a little light on my schedule. Maybe I'll just have a little JR come in a couple of weeks and uh, do this visit again. And uh, the more times he comes in, the more dollars I get paid. It's like a like a turnstile at a roller coaster line that every time somebody walks through the door, cha-ching, 
and uh, in comes a few more dollars from the insurance company. So that'd be pretty clever, wouldn't it? Uh, I have to ask, is that was that a practice of yours when you were practicing medicine? Oh, man, I told you. I told you, audience, he's a tough one. He's um, he must be getting some coaching from somebody. But no, of course not. That's uh, it was another leading question. I'm, I'm trying to lead you to the idea of other payment models that might be used when, um, you know, when when utilization might increase so that the dollars that are coming in the door might increase as well. Right. Right. That's a yeah. understood that it's a leading question. And yes, there are I'm not going to incriminate myself on a podcast, JR. Come on. <laughs> well, we know. And, and all I've already given my email address. Like, how much do you want from me? <laughs> yes. And just to be serious with the audience, you are a very upstanding doctor. You are very upstanding uh, in, in every aspect of your life that I know of. So I would well, never, not ever well, expect you, you. that you would do anything that would be in violation of anything. Yeah, and that's our podcast, folks. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Jay Moore is a great doctor. That's what I heard. Um, Okay, seriously. So, uh, so let's let's talk a little bit about some of these non fee for service care models that uh, might exist as a result of people perhaps overcoding or or doing a few more services that are that are strictly necessary. And another kind of service I'm thinking of is uh, with all this would be bundled payments. And I know Jay, you've got a lot of experience with you know work you've done, and also with doctors you've worked with that you could probably share a little bit around that. Oh, yeah. So uh, bundled payments. So that is a, another way of doing a contract for a certain set of services. And I think a good example for that is a knee surgery, because if you go in and you have a knee replacement done, there are a lot of charges that are associated with that. You have, of course, the surgery itself. You've got a charge for the implant, the actual metal device that they put into your knee to, to make your knee stop hurting and work a little bit better than it has in the past. But you also have services for the anesthesiologist. You have perhaps some physical therapy that's going to come after the surgery. And so what an insurance company might do is they might walk in and say, listen, hospital, we know that you do a lot of knee surgeries. And instead of billing us for each one of these individual components of service, why don't we just pay you a set rate for a knee surgery? And then you use that to pay for all of the different services that there are. So we'll give you $20,000 to do a knee surgery. And I'm just totally making that number up. I have no idea if that's a good amount these days for a knee surgery or not. But uh, $20,000 for a knee surgery And you can split that money up between the surgeon and the hospital and the anesthesiologist and the pathology lab and the physical therapist, and you split it however you want. But that'll be a one rate that we can pay for a knee surgery for people that are having that done at your hospital. And the hospital might say, hey, that's great. I can manage my costs a little bit better. I can do some negotiating with the anesthesiologist and maybe save a little money there. And at the end of the day, maybe there's even a little left over and I can put it back into my hospital bank and use that to improve the facilities where the patients are going to get the knee surgery in the first place. So that is our first example, I guess, of a value-based contract methodology, where instead of paying for each service individually in a fee-for-service model, we're paying for a lot of things together and attaining some value for it. So we're saying this is the outcome we expect. We expect for this person to have a new knee and to have a good outcome and feel better. And Sometimes those bundles will even have a warranty on them. So if that patient has to come back 30 days later or less and be readmitted to the hospital, maybe the insurance company says, hey, that's still on you. You're not going to get extra dollars for that. So it's a little bit of a warranty so that we know that for at least 30 days that all the care that's related to that knee is going to be covered with this $20,000 that I'm paying. Yeah, that's a that's a real good example, Jay. And I think you know, even expanding off of that, we can talk about kind of one other arrangement, which is capitation or capitated arrangements for services, which are kind of like a 
almost an extrapolation of what you're talking about with bundled, which is really where a facility or a doctor or whoever basically takes a set amount per member of the, you know, of the contract for the services they're going to render. So for example, you, know, you might have a situation where a hospital says, hey, we will perform CT scans for everybody that's under this insurance contract. And instead of charging per member that comes through to actually get the CT scan, we're just going to say, you know, we'll charge you insurance company a buck for every member per month that you have on your books that could potentially come there. And I got it. So I'm I'm taking a defined population of people and I'm saying I'm responsible for the care for this whole population of people. I'll take a prearranged uh, amount of money to care for all of them. And then I will not bill each individual service back to the insurance company. Right. Right. That's exactly right. And, you know, when you're pointing out the value based care side of things, you know, the first question that I could see coming up in any kind of arrangement like this would be isn't the hospital or doctor incentivized to give lesser care so that they can actually have more money left over in that bank that you're talking about before. And that's where value-based care comes into play because value-based care would say, Hey, the insurance company is going to look over those doctors and those hospitals and make sure that the outcomes are still good, even under whether it's a fee for service arrangement or a capitated arrangement or a bundled arrangement. Yeah, I see. So that way the doctor can't say, okay, I'll take your $50,000 insurance company and now I'm just going to go fishing and I'm going to not see any patients for the next 30 days. And guess what? They're not going to need any care because I'm not going to be there to give it to them. So I'll just take all that money and put it in my pocket. But that wouldn't be a very good outcome for those patients. And so the insurance company says, well, we're going to look out for that. And if these outcomes aren't as good as we were expecting, then the deal's off. Maybe we take some of that money back or there's a penalty that's associated. Now, I know that hospitals and doctors sometimes will have uh, some reticence to uh, to really adopt these kind of arrangements because that is a lot of risk for a doctor or a hospital to take on. So you are an actuary. Your business is all about risk. So how many doctors or patients, like how, how would I, let's say I came to you as a doctor's office and I said, JR, there's six of us in my doctor's office and we're going to take a capitated contract for these 15,000 patients and we're going to get this much money. Would that be a good idea to you or not? Like, how would I how would I determine if it was a good risk or not? And I, that's probably way too complicated of a question. But maybe just uh, in general, like what kinds of things are you looking for to see if that group is um, if that's a good contract or not? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of two sided, right? You want you as the insurance company want to make sure that you're reimbursing enough that the doctor would say, hey, this is a good deal for me, and I want to provide a good level of care. From the doctor's side, you want to make sure that you're receiving enough for, you know, to be incentivized to get adequate care. As an actuary at an insurance company, if you were pricing something like this, you would look at it and say, hey, what what are my average costs? Like, let's say that this is a knee surgery deal. I would look at it and say, what would I typically be paying out for knee surgeries over a broad scale uh, per member on my books? And I could go back to a, you know, I can go back to the doctor or the physician or the, the knee surgeon and say, hey, we're willing to give you this amount in a capitated arrangement. You know, let's say it's $2 per member per month that we have on our books. We're willing to give you for a capitated rate. And then you'd have to provide the knee surgery for any patients who needed it. So if it was, uh, we're going to give you $2 per member per month for these thousand patients. Um, 
But any of them who need knee surgeries in that population, you have to take on and, and do the knee surgery. So we, we figure in a population, maybe that'll be 10 on average that need to have that surgery done. Right. And then you just average that out and, and basically give that as an offer to a physician. Gotcha. To be able to take. I and, see. And there might be a few things that could, could bump that up or down. For example, if you know that that knee surgeon, if you look at your whole claims pool as an insurance company, you see that that knee surgeon has really great outcomes and really good costs typically. You might incentivize, you know, that doctor to want to perform more surgeries or less surgeries through this arrangement because of what their outcomes look like on, on your mm-hmm. insurance. So you might be willing to reimburse a little bit more so that uh, there's some steerage incentive for folks to want to go to that knee surgeon over others. And yeah, for them to yeah. Or if I, as the surgeon, say, well, gosh, this is a pretty old population of patients you gave me. I think it might be more than 10 people that need surgeries in this population. Maybe they're going to be 20. So I'm going to need a little more to cover these particular people. And of course, right. this gets much more complicated. It's not very common to have a capitated arrangement for just knee surgeries, but we're using that as an example. We, we'd really do a capitated arrangement for all the care that's needed across an entire population of people. And then things can get pretty complicated. Right. right. That's absolutely right. Yeah. So, okay. So we've got a few different contract methodologies that we've talked about here. We have fee for service contracting methodology, which is a set amount of money for a given service on a one-to-one basis, a bundled payment, which is paying for all the services related to a particular condition all at once with a single payment, and then finally capitation, which is looking at all of the healthcare costs across a population, estimating what it might be, and then paying an amount of money to the, to the provider of care that's based on the averages and what we see that way. And those are some of the ways, just a few of the ways that insurance companies can contract with doctor's offices. So I'm sure that people are probably, their heads are spinning at this point. They have lots of questions. You can feel free to uh, send us those questions and we can address those in future episodes. Maybe we can dive deeper into capitated arrangements or bundled arrangements and spend a whole episode talking about one of those things. If that's of some interest, we might might do that in the future. But for now, I think we're about out of time, JR. So I want to tell you once again, thank you for joining me for this podcast. I really enjoy and appreciate you being here and doing this with me. I hope to see you next time. I hope to see you as well. Thanks, Jay. Good as always. All right. Well, thanks, audience. See you next time on the Explanation of Benefits podcast from Patient. I'm Jay Moore. I'm joined by J.R. Clark. You guys have a great week. <laughs>